The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. Have you ever heard the term the Roman road to salvation? In the religious world, this is a term that refers to a pathway for men to achieve eternal life through certain steps they have to follow based on verses pulled out of the book of Romans. But is there such a road to salvation found in the book of Romans? Well, I submit to you there is a Roman road to salvation that's laid out clearly in this book, but it's not the road that they're talking about in the religious world. On the contrary, the true Roman road to salvation was a road that only Jesus Christ himself could walk. It was a road that led up Calvary's hill. It was purpose for him to walk from before the foundation of the world. In today's sermon, we begin looking at this so-called Roman road to salvation. And here we see clearly that our eternal salvation was accomplished solely by the work of Christ through the sovereign grace of God himself. And as we learn about this road, we'll see that it is indeed the only road to salvation for any of God's elect children. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
You know, it seems like uh, there are times when we just need to go back to the basics. Um, when, I'm, uh, when I've experienced loss, when I've experienced death in my family, um, what has comforted me is the truths of God's word regarding our salvation. I'll never forget when I went to tell Brother Oliver about the death of his son, Clarman, Brother Glendon's brother. Uh, you know, you never know what to expect when you have a sad duty to, to carry out like that. But Brother Oliver shed a few tears. But the first thing he said was, the Bible says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. You know, that's what comforted him in a time of trouble and loss. And it's what ought to comfort us. And certainly we've experienced loss here at this church through the death of Sister Ava. And we, uh, I just feel the need to go back to the comforting words of Paul the Apostle about our eternal salvation. Tonight, what I want to preach to you about is the Roman road to salvation. The Roman road to salvation. Now, I know you've heard that term used in the denominational world. And, and it's used in a different way than what I want to use it tonight because I do believe there is a pathway in the book of Romans that we could call the Roman road to salvation. But I don't believe it's found where most people think it's found. I believe it's found in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 28. We're going to read a few verses here. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Now, you might ask the question at this point, what things are these all things that he's talking about? Well, the Bible doesn't leave us clueless about that. He begins to tell us what the all things are. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. And we'll end this with one question here that the Apostle Paul asked, what, then, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Beloved, I, I hope that the answer to that question for us by the time this message is over, will be amen, amen, and we'll embrace these things. But let's look here at this true Roman road to salvation. This Roman road to salvation that we're talking about tonight is a road that, not, not a pathway for us to, to, to walk or a, or a hill for us to climb. It is a pathway that Jesus Christ walked by himself. It's a pathway that Jesus Christ took that no other man could take. Only the Lord Jesus Christ could bring salvation to his people. And this is what I believe he's telling us about here. So let's look at these things that are taught here, all things that work together for our good. Because you see, all things in the world don't work together for our good. Sister Ava's suffering, Sister Ava's ultimate death, uh, it didn't work together for our good. Now her death ultimately uh, delivered her out of this world into the place where the Lord has prepared for us. So that was a good thing. But those things were working against her and against her family up until that point, beloved. 
But the things that work for our good are these things here that, we're about, that we have just read about. And it begins with being foreknown. Foreknown. For whom he did foreknow. Now, Sonny Piles used to say this about scriptural interpretation. He said, don't try to tell me what a verse means until you know what it says. <laughs> in other words, the words in the verse are important. And one of the, one of the most important words in this, in this verse 29 here is the word whom. Whom. Notice this. For whom he did foreknow. That is a personal pronoun. That is not what. That is not something. That would give it a different meaning. But notice that whatever is about to be talked about, whatever is about to follow here, applies to whom personally. To the whom. Sometimes people mix up predestination. And they get to thinking that it has to do with events that occur. That, that things that happen are predestinated. The fact that uh, I'm standing here moving my hand like I am, some would say is predestinated by God. But beloved, that's not what predestination has to do with. We'll get to that in a minute. But you have to start off understanding that, pre, that foreknowledge and predestination and ultimately calling and justification and glorification applies to whom? It applies to a person. It's a personal pronoun applying to people. Whom, not what. And then he says, whom he did foreknow. Foreknow. The word there in Greek is progonosko. Progonosko. And, and, and you've heard the word Gnostic that starts with a G. G-N-O-S-T-I-C. It has to do with knowledge, okay? And that word literally means to know beforehand. Uh, and and, and it, it, it also it carries the meaning of to judge or decide beforehand. And the foreknowledge of God is intimately caught up with the electing grace of God. You see, this, this right here, this foreknowledge, whom he did foreknow, that's a reference to his electing grace. You find these words linked in, indelibly together over in 1 Peter chapter 1. And in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse, just begin reading in verse 1 just to get the, the beginning of the chapter there. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ... To the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Here we find foreknowledge and election inextricably linked. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now remember what we said. The foreknowledge we're talking about here is not about events. It's not about things that happen. It's not about things that occur. It's about people. It's about whom he did foreknow. There's a, there's a misapplication, a misunderstanding, a, a, an explanation of election that many in the denominational world try to, uh, try to uh, use and to kind of explain away election. And they'll say what election is, is that God looked down through time and saw what you would do with him, saw what decision you would make about him, and based on that decision, he elected you or chose you before the foundation of the world. But remember what we said. This is not about what you do. It's not about what occurs. It's not about what decision you make. This is in a, a foreknowledge whom he foreknew. It is an intimate, 
personal foreknowledge, you see. And that's the, it's the same sense of the term. And in some ways it was used when it talks about uh, the, the proclamation of the race. Back when Adam, uh, it says Adam knew his wife Eve in an intimate way. And the, and, and, and the result was the birth of children. And beloved, this is the kind of intimate knowledge God knows about us. He foreknows his people. He tells us in Jeremiah, he has loved us. This foreknowledge is indelibly caught up with God's love for his people. He says he has loved us with an everlasting love. You know what everlasting means? It means it didn't begin any time in the past and it's not going to end any time in the future. <laughs> he tells us his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Beloved, if he ever loved you, if he ever loved me, he will always love you. He will always love me. If he ever had mercy on me, it was from everlasting in the past, before the foundation of the world. And if he ever had mercy upon me, he will always have mercy upon me. Because his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. You see, the foreknowledge of God is an intimate, personal thing. In the book of Ephesians, we read a little bit about that electing grace of God that is, that is referred to here as his foreknowledge. It says in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse uh, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Beloved, it takes a lot to misunderstand that verse. He, we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. He's, he's already told us foreknow, that those whom he did foreknow, those whom he chose in Christ, he intimately knew them personally, not what they would do. In fact, he tells us in one place, Psalm 14, he says he did look down and see what we would do. He said he looked down upon the children of men to see if there were any that did seek him. Back over in Psalms, I'm just going to turn there and read it because I don't, want to, I don't want to misquote it and I don't want you to think I'm not getting it right. But over in Psalms 14, verse 1 starts off telling us some very important information. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Did you know there's fools out there? <laughs> There are fools out there that say in their hearts, there is no God. You know, I've heard this said before that uh, there are professors of, of, of great uh, knowledge out there. They have many degrees behind their names. I, have had, I knew some in the philosophy department, but there were some in the religious studies department when I was there that were atheists and said there is no God. You know what? That professor may be a great professor with a PhD, but he's professor fool to you. <laughs> He's a professor fool to God because he said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have gone, done abominable works. There's none that doeth good. I'm so glad that his electing grace doesn't depend on what I've done because I'm included in the none, and you are too, beloved. None that doeth good. And, and so those that would say God looked down upon the race of men, upon what people would do, <clears throat> You know, that's a half-truth there. <laughs> he did that. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. If he looked down, as he says he did, to see what we would do, and then based on, his, on what we did with him, that's why he chose us or not, then guess what? Nobody's chosen. Nobody's elected. 
Because here's what it says. He looked down to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. He looked down to see if there were any that would choose him, you might say. They are all going to side. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Praise God. You know, people get all anxious about the doctrine of election. They, they get upset about it. They get, they get it, it, it tends to stir up passions. Well, beloved, it stirs up my passions. My passions of gratefulness and thankfulness and love for this one. There's nothing to be anxious about with the doctrine of election. Sometimes you have people ask the question, do you mean that doctrine of election means that if I, even if I want to go to heaven, I can't? <laughs> What about that person out there, preacher, that, uh, that has a sincere love for Christ and wants to avoid hell, wants to stay out of, uh, out of hell, wants to be with Christ forever? you telling me he can't go to heaven because he wasn't chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world? I say unto you, that man does not exist. He's a fictional character. He's a fictional character like any you read about in a book. He does not exist. The one who has a sincere desire and love for Christ is one that has already been chosen in Christ because that's the only way he would ever know or ever have any desire for him. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. When did this electing grace, electing foreknowledge occur? Before the foundation of the world. And he goes on to tell us about another important truth on this, another important stop, if you will, on this Roman road to salvation. He says, for whom he did foreknow, that's the electing grace of God, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. So now, not only are we foreknown, but we learn that we are predestinated. That word predestinate is the Greek word prohorizo, and it comes from a, a root word, horizo, which is where we get our word horizon from. That's where we get our word horizon. And, and the horizo uh, has to do with marking out the boundaries or the limits of a place. In other words, when you take your gaze upon the horizon, you see the limit. You see the boundary out there. There's a boundary you can't see past. And the word pro-orizo means to predetermine or to decide beforehand, to set out the limits beforehand. In other words, there is something here that has been set out beforehand. There is something here that has been predetermined. It has been predestinated. What is it? You remember the very first thing we talked about? It's a whom. It's a whom. That's why predestination doesn't have anything to do with our events of our lives. It doesn't have anything to do with you stubbing your toe and saying, man, I'm glad that's over with. <laughs> Lord, Lord predestinated that. No, he didn't predestinate that. You know, when I stub my toe, one of the reasons I get mad is I get mad at myself for stubbing my toe. It was me, not God. <laughs> But you see, I'll say this, for those that try to apply predestination to the events of life, they're, they're also making God the author of sin. And God is not the author of sin. That means that when you kill a man, it was predestinated by God. 
Well, why do we have courts to judge someone guilty? Well, I guess it was predestinated that they be a judge. I don't, you can get yourself in such a, such a whirl that you'd be, as, as Brother Sonny Piles, you say, you'd be as confused as a termite in a yo-yo. <laughs> I'm telling you. See, predestination doesn't apply to things of life and events of life. Predestination applies to the whom that we started out talking about in verse, 28, uh, verse 29. Whom? He did foreknow. I heard Elder uh, Armin Rich one time say it this way. If you get anything but people into predestination, you've got problems. And that's a pretty good way to look at it. Remember that about predestination. It has to do with people and not events. But praise God it has to do with people. Because in the people it has to do with is the people we've just been talking about. Whom he did foreknow. Guess what? Some of them he also predestinated. No, those very same whom they that were foreknown are predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. Over in Ephesians 1, we just read verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's what we're chosen. That's the purpose of it, that we might, uh, the only way we can be, by the way. <laughs> but he says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to whether or not we want to do it or not. No, that's not what it says. According to the good pleasure of his will. By the way, just notice throughout this whole sermon, every time we go to scriptures, it's going to be about his will and about the good pleasure and love that he has for us. Notice here what it says, predestinating. First of all, the word predestinate only occurs in the Bible four times. Four times it occurs in the scripture. And it's found twice here in Romans chapter 8, and it's found twice in Ephesians chapter 1. And in Ephesians, in Romans chapter 8, it talks about being predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about here being predestinated unto the adoption of children. In verse 11, it says, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. Let me tell you, beloved, the all things he's talking about there are the same things we're talking about tonight. <laughs> all these things he's working out according to the counsel of his own will. Not according to your will or my will or the will of some dead sinner who he's trying to get to do something. Beloved, it's according to the counsel of his own will. And it says that, notice here, it's the adoption of children that we're predestinated unto. Verse 11, it's, it's, it talks about obtaining an inheritance. So are we talking about different things? It says being conformed to the image of Christ in Romans chapter 8. Well, if you go back to Romans chapter 23, you're going to see that, it, I mean, Romans chapter 8 and verse 23, you're going to see that these are the self-same thing. They're all one and the same. He talks about here, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves. Now listen, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our bodies. Whenever you read to wit in the Word of God, that's saying, I'm fixing to tell you the same thing in another way. That's what it's saying. So, so the adoption here, to wit, in other words, this is another way to say it, the adoption is also the redemption of our bodies. You know, it makes sense, doesn't it? What if I decided to adopt a child and I said, we're going to go to Africa, we're going to adopt a child. 
And we go to the orphanage and we pick out which child we want to adopt. And we pay whatever fees are necessary. We legally do everything necessary to change that child's name and to make him our child. And then we leave the orphanage and leave him there and come back home. You'd say, well, the adoption wasn't complete, was it? No adoption is complete until the adopted child moves into the home, moves into the residence of the, of the one who's adopting him. Beloved, our adoption, while it is certain, it is not complete. One day it will be complete. We're going to talk about being glorified, but there's coming a day when we are going to be adopted fully, when we, we have been adopted, we have been uh, cho chosen in Christ, we are His children, but one day we're going to be living with Him. <laughs> And that's the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. That's what he says we're predestinated to be done. It's, it's predestinated to be done to us, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to talk about being glorified in a minute, but let me just tell you, this is referring to it. You know, election has to do with, uh, all this occurred before the foundation of the world, but, but think about this, election is the foreknowledge is being chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. But we weren't just chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world and then left to be to our own devices. We are also before the foundation of the world predestinated to be conformed to the image of Christ after the world ends. That kind of covers the alpha to omega, doesn't it? That covers the beginning to the end. Even before the beginning and after the end. Praise God. Here, here we are, uh, we're, we, are, uh, we are in the middle right now. We're living in the meantime, but beloved, before the foundation of the world, He made certain our salvation by choosing us in Christ, and He's made certain that one day we're going to be conformed to His image because we've been predestinated to that. And I can't go past this, this verse without reminding you, as I have many times, don't you ever let anybody tell you you're part of the chosen few. <laughs> The chosen few. You know, sometimes we get accused of that. that we think that people say, well, only, you think only primitive Baptists are going to heaven. Man, I hope not. <laughs> it's going to be a lightly populated heaven, I'll tell you that, <laughs> based on how many primitive Baptists there are in the world versus the whole world's population. No, beloved, in, in Revelation, he teaches us in the fifth chapter there, he said that there is a, we have been redeemed to God out of every kindred, nation, tongue, and tribe. Beloved, it's a multitude that no man can number. You can't start, if you started counting on the day you were born and quit counting on the day you, were die, you died, you still couldn't count the number of children of God that there are. Praise God. No man can number that. We're not part of the chosen few. I realize there's only a few that subscribe to these teachings. There's only a few that come out from the world and become separate. And, and, but let me praise God. Because of these things we're preaching about tonight, we can rest assured that you know, there's going to be, I heard Brother Ricky Harcrow say something like this one time. He said, you know, there's going to be some Catholics in heaven, but they're not going to be there because they're Catholic. He said, there's going to be some Methodists in heaven, but they're not going to be there because they're Methodists. He said, and praise God, there's going to be some primitive Baptists in heaven, but they're not going to be there because they're primitive Baptists. They're going to be there because they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. They were predestinated to be conformed to his image. And we're going to see here in a minute, Jesus Christ loved them enough come die for. Praise God. Predestinated. <laughs> and remember, it's still the whom that we're talking about. Verse 30, moreover, whom, here it is again, in case we've forgotten, Paul reminds us, 
whom he did predestinate. So let's, let's think for just a minute now. Our water was off for a day or two because we had a leak under the house. I had to go cut the water off. And so uh, we filled up jugs that had tops on them, but Sherry also had a little bucket that, was, uh, that needed to be filled up. And so she said, well, go over to your mama's house and fill all these, all these jugs up. And so you think that bucket too? I said, yeah, just be careful and don't spill any of it, you know. Well, actually, believe it or not, we got back without spilling it. Of course, I didn't fill it all the way up, Brother Neil, either. But, uh, but, but have you ever tried to carry a bucket from one place to the other full of water? How, how hard is it to get to one place or the other without at least spilling some of it, you know? I, I get to going and think I'm doing good, and next thing I know, I'm in a rhythm here, and, next, and here it goes, it's everywhere, you know? It's, it's all over me. Well, beloved... God don't spill his bucket. God doesn't lose any out of his bucket. See, the same whom he did foreknow are the same whom he did predestinate. And here we see whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Called. Now, what is the calling here that we're talking about? I believe the reference here is of the calling is to the new birth. The word kaleo there in Greek means to call by name, to call someone personally. It's the foundation word, by the way, the root word for ekklesia, which is the, uh, the, the, what's, what's translated as church, a called out assembly. Ekklesia, ek means call, to call out, ekklesia. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.